principles of the elder. Verses three, verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples uh, to the flock. Uh, this verse shows us that the pastor is not to lord over God's heritage. Uh, the pastor of the church is not to be the lord or the king over the church as it is not his church. We can notice here in this passage that the church is not labeled the pastor's heritage, but is labeled God's heritage. Uh, Christ is the chief shepherd, and, his, and he bought the church with his blood. The pastor did not. Um, while the Lord does have a pastor as an under-shepherd to oversee the flock humanly and to feed it and to preach the word of the Lord, that is not the pastor's church. It still is the Lord's, and it must remain focused on him. Um, the pastor's main purpose and responsibility is to preach the word of God. If he is not given solely to preaching the word, then he cannot be giving his whole self to that, and he won't be um, uh, satisfactorily feeding the flock. In Acts chapter 6, the deacons were appointed so that the pastor could spend his time in the word of God and be able to prepare himself better for preaching and not have to go and serve tables. It is obvious that the pastor's job given in the Bible is, is primarily to be preaching the word of God. Um, and to oversee the flock. Um, the verse also shows that the pastor is to be an example for the flock. Now, he's not supposed to be the lord or the king over the flock, but he should be an example for them. And this example would be an example how to live for Christ, an example how someone should live according to the word of God. Uh, this would indicate that the pastor must have a genuine walk with the Lord and living a godly life. The pastor must know the Bible, and he must know how to live his life according to that Bible. We can look in First uh, Timothy there, and we see the requirements of the pastor, and it shows that he's supposed to be living a life as according to the word of God. It's to be blameless. He must be living a good and godly life. And it's not for his glory. It's not so people would look at the pastor and be like, oh, wow, he looks so amazing living, living for God, but so... He, God can be glorified for that, and people can look to him as an example in how to follow Christ. His example will not point to himself, but point to the Lord. And we can see in point number two, the chief shepherd in verse four. Um, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that, that fadeth not away. So I saw that the church belongs to the Lord and not to the pastor, but Christ is the chief shepherd, and we saw that a few weeks ago, and how he is also the uh, chief cornerstone, how the church is built on him. He is the shepherd as he cares for his flock, and he oversees it. Uh, he, um, this verse also shows that the pastor will receive a crown of glory that will not fade away. And you can see letter A, uh, the head of the church in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came to, uh, into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, uh, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ here is building his church, not based on a man, but he is building it based on the, on the fact that he is the Christ and he is the son of God. The church is built on himself, not on man or any idea that man has had. 
Uh, Christ is the head of the church, so everything done in the church is for him and should be done to glorify him, done according to his will, and um, not done for the glory of man. It is important that the church is operating in a way that the Bible says it should be. Um, we must not... We must be careful to make sure that it does not become man's church or become run in the way that man would have it to run, but is ran according to the word of God. Having different programs and ministries and outreach opportunities is great, but the, we must make sure that the main focus of the church is still focused on Christ. It is not focused on entertainment or focused on our own pleasure, but is focused on the Lord and reaching others for him and growing um, the saved and their growing those who are saved in their walk with the Lord. Uh, we see in letter B, the crown of glory in verse 4. And, uh, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This verse speaks of a crown of glory that the pastor will obtain when Christ, the chief shepherd, shall appear. Uh, there are several crowns that are spoken of in, in scripture. We're going to overview the other uh, four of them uh, as well. Uh, the first crown here that uh, is mentioned in the Bible is the incorruptible crown. And this is a crown that is given uh, when the chief shepherd shall appear uh, for those who uh, lead others to Christ or for those who are a soul winner. Um, again, there is a great commission in the Bible that we are commanded to go and tell others about Christ. We are commanded to go and to uh, share the gospel. It's not a suggestion, not a recommendation, but it's a commandment. Uh, our church does have um, soul wedding times on Saturday at 9 a.m. We can all gather the church together to meet and do that, but even past that in our own daily lives, we should be striving to find opportunities to share the gospel with others. There is also the crown of life. Well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm completely... I'm sorry, the crown just described me was kind of rejoicing. I'm sorry, I can't read. I'm bad at reading my notes. I'm also incredibly unorganized. Um, sorry, but the, that was a crown of rejoicing. The incorruptible crown is for those who live for God, not for their flesh. My apologies on that. Um, so we as Christians should be living for the Lord and living uh, for Christ, living how the Bible says we should be living, not living for our flesh. As we are new creatures, all things are become new. We are not to be living for our old flesh anymore as we are no longer bound by sin. And we saw the crown of rejoicing was for those who lead others to Christ. But the crown of life is given to those who endure temptation. Um, again, we are commanded, we are told in the Bible that there is no temptation that is not common to man and that Christ also uh, lived the human life as we did yet without sin. Uh, we can uh, follow the example that Christ has left for us and see how to endure temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, when Christ was being tempted in the wilderness, he did not rely on his own opinions or on his own emotions. But rather, he went right to the word of God. He said, it is written. Uh, the only way for us to endure temptation in our own way is also with the word of God and with the Lord. Um, we also can see the crown of righteousness. Is for those who look forward to uh, the rapture and Christ's coming. Again, as Christians, we can look forward to the Lord and his coming and look forward to the day that we will uh, be caught up in the air with the Lord. It's important that we keep our eyes focused on eternity, which, which would also motivate us to be sharing the gospel with others, knowing that uh, when someone dies in this world, they spend the rest of eternity in one, or, one, or, one of two places, either in heaven with the Lord or in the lake of fire, eternity separated from the Lord. It should be our motivation to, uh, to share the gospel with others with eternity in mind. 
But finally, we get to the crown of glory, which is mentioned here in 1 Peter. This is given to pastors who faithfully preach the word of God, and this crown does not fade away. Um, the gains of this world are temporary. Um, this could be um, money. We saw even earlier that the pastor should not be preaching the word of God for filthy lucre. He shouldn't be motivated by money, um, as money does fade away. We will, again, we will die or be caught up in the air with the Lord at one point, and we can't bring anything with us. Um, it doesn't matter how much money you do or do not have, it's not coming with you. Um, it's not forever. Um, there's fame or popularity as well, and that, of course, is not going to matter in heaven. Uh, but the impact that is made for eternity and made for Christ does not pass away. Um, with, the preaching, with the faithful preaching of a pastor, there will be souls led to Christ. And those do last forever. And that is people's eternities, um, which, which matter a lot. Um, this should be a motivation for the pastor to faithfully preach the word of God as he is commanded to, to make an eternal uh, difference for the Lord. He should not be preaching for the temporary gain of this world, but looking toward eternity. In the same way that the pastor should um, look toward the, the crown of glory, we should strive faithfully to serve the Lord, uh, earning um, crowns ourselves that were also mentioned here. Serving the Lord should not come from the motives of what we can gain here on this earth or not gain from how others will see us, but we should be uh, motivated by bringing glory to God and by pleasing him. Again, what we, what we should be doing in our lives is glorifying the Lord, not glorifying ourselves. Very easy for us, even the church here, to be serving faithfully, and serving faithfully, but doing it with the wrong motives, doing it so others can see how great we are at serving in this ministry, how, how um, much we're serving in comparison to someone else, but that shouldn't be our motives. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves. We should be doing it um, solely to bring honor and glory to God and glorifying him in all that we do. Uh, we see finally in point number three, subject to one another in verse five through seven, uh, which read, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you unto this, all of you to be, goodness, I'm sorry, yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. These three verses ref, uh, show us that we should be, uh, that the younger should be sum, in submission to the elder. And again, this is referring to the pastor, not someone who is uh, older, as we saw in the context of the verses prior about this, is referring to someone in the pastoral position, not just someone who is older in age. Um, but we also say that we are to be subject one to another, which takes humility. And we are to be humble also before our God. And we see finally in those three verses that our Heavenly Father loves us and wants to care for us. And we should be casting our cares upon him because of that. And we see in the letter A, clothed with humility in verses 5 through 6. Likewise, younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with, clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. While the pastor is not the uh, Lord over God's heritage, as it is the Lord's church, and we should be operating it in how the uh, Bible shows us to, he's still the overseer of the flock uh, of God, and this flock should be in submission to the pastor and his guidance and that leadership there. 
Um, just as we saw in First uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, I believe it was, how we should be uh, in submission to the authorities that are in our lives. Um, just as the Lord places uh, kings and governors over our lives as well, he also allows the pastor to pastor that church. And while he is not the Lord or the king over the church, he shouldn't be sitting on his mighty throne commanding things. We also should be in submission to that leadership and the guidance that the Lord has placed in the church through that pastor. Um, uh, we are commanded to, um, oh, sorry. Um, so submitting the pastor allows him to do his God-given job of overseeing the flock and preaching the word much easier as there's less um, opposition in that. We are commanded to clothe ourselves with humility and submit one to another. Um, even when we are submitting to the pastor, this would take humility. Um, we must not be prideful, and each of us insisting we have our own way, but ultimately, we should be seeking God's will and not our own. Uh, we are to submit one to another in humility. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, in honor preferring one another. We are, to be hum we are to humble ourselves, putting other people and their needs and desires before our own. In our sinful flesh, it's very easy for us to get the idea that um, it's our desires that matter, that matter most. And we have the best idea, obviously, that our opinions are right. But I've heard the, um, the saying before that opinions are like armpits. Everyone has a couple of them, and most of them stink. Um, I, say that joking, I say that jokingly, though, but it is easy for us to have the idea that um, in our pride that our opinions are the only ones that matter and that we're, of course, the only one who is right, when in reality we should be looking to the word of God for the direction, not our own opinions. Uh, we are commanded to be humble even as Christ was humble. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem one another esteem another better than themselves look not every man into his own things but every man also unto the things of others let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought not to be robbery but to be, thought not robbery to be equal with God made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in, in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross We see in that passage there that even Christ himself was humble. Um, he was, he's the Lord God Almighty. He is the son of God. He's equal with God. And he being the form of God, he knowing, uh, he, he thought not Robert to be equal with God. He knew he deserved that. He knew he was equal with God. Yet he humbled himself to come down as servant of man. There was a great sacrifice that is made by Christ on that cross. But I think we also overlook the sacrifice that he made just coming to earth. He was in paradise. He had everything uh, that we can, can't even imagine in heaven, sitting there at the right hand of God the Father, having angels uh, around him, worshiping him all the time. Yet he came to earth and suffered many of the same, same things uh, we do. Um, he came, he humbled himself that way, but he also humbled himself farther than that by humbling himself unto death, even the death of the cross. And... Um, Death by crucifixion, death on that cross, is not something that um, should be taken lightly. That is one of the most painful forms of capital punishment ever invented by man. And he went through that for us. Um, uh, we should be following Christ's example, um, humbling ourselves one to another. If the almighty son of God can humble himself, I think us as humans can also humble ourselves one to another as well. 
Um, God gave grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. In Proverbs chapter 6, there's a list of uh, sins that God hates and also a list that, um, uh, that disgust him as well, that are an abomination to him. Um, and in that list, before there is lying, before there is murder, before there is um, sowing discord among the brethren, there is pride. Pride is a sin that God hates. It disgusts him, and we see here that God resists the proud. Pride is not a small sin. Um, I struggle with that in my daily life, and I know that um, is, is very common. It's easy for our flesh in our own pride to think that pride isn't a big deal, and that we think, oh, you know, it's just pride. It's not like I committed this sin or that sin. I just pride. That's not how it is. Sin disgusts God, and he resisteth the proud. I don't know about you, but I don't want God resisting me. Um, we, should be, we should live with humility as we are commanded to. We see also the mighty hand of God. This shows the power of our God. Um, we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who split the Red Sea, conquered death, and uh, overcame and uh, conquered death, hell, and the grave. And, we sh- and um, he is mighty enough to provide for us as well. Uh, those who are proud will be resisted by God, and those who are humble will be exalted by God in due time. Um, when we are proud, we can be certain that we will be humbled. When we are humble, we can be certain that God will exalt us. Um, we see letter B, a caring father, in verse 7. We see here, <clears throat> casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This short verse here shows us the amazing fact that our God cares for us. Um, the Lord desires for us um, to give him our cares and our burdens because he cares for us. We see um, we should be bringing him our burdens in prayer in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God, requ- God requests and he desires that we bring our burdens unto him, knowing that he is powerful enough to meet those needs. Oftentimes we read about in the Bible how God is powerful. He created this whole world in just a matter of six days with only his words. And yet we can, in our own pride, um, doubt that he can take care of us. It's because we'd rather rely on our own finite flesh to provide for our own selves. It takes humility to, um, to trust God and to place our burdens on him. At that point, we are actively thinking to ourselves, okay, I know that in myself, I can't provide for myself. I can't do this. But, but my God can in giving it to him. And that means not carrying it on our own anymore. Oftentimes, we give something to God, yet we keep, we keep bearing it ourselves. I heard the saying, for us to give something to God, we need to let go of it. Um. If I was to hand you this um, amazing pen, it's a phenomenal pen. Um, if I was, let's do an example here. But Robert, do you want to be an example for me? And be up there here? It's awesome. It's going to be great. Thing. If I was right now, it's going to be beautiful. So I'm going to give you this pen. All right, take this pen from me. But I'm not, if I don't let go of it, he can't take it. If I let go of it, he can take that pen. As soon as you're going to have the pen. All right, thank you. Um, so, uh, so we see that we aren't, Give, if we aren't going to let go of our burdens and give them to the Lord, we're still bearing them on our own. We're still trusting in our flesh that we can provide for ourselves. To truly give burdens to God, we must admit that we are not capable, but he is capable. Um, 
Now, in no way does this mean that we should not be planning or preparing, um, as that is definitely taught in the Bible that we should plan and prepare, um, as even the ants um, prepare and gather meat for and gather um, um, meat as well and prepare. Um, but worrying and stressing is not the same thing as planning and preparing. Um, we need to have humility and give those burdens and cares to God, admitting that he is more powerful and that he can um, care for us far better than we can. Uh, God loves us and he desires to provide for us. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 25 to 26, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor um, yet for your body what ye shall put on. It is not the, <clears throat> is not the life more than me and the body um, than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Um, God even provides for the fowls of the air. He provides for his own creation. He provides for the animals that are not made in his image. And we are man. We are, made fe- we are fearfully, wonderfully made in the image of the Lord God Almighty. And he p- tells us that he loves us and cares for us. We are better than those fowls of the air. And they don't... Um, they don't sow or reap, yet God provides for them. He will also provide for us. We just need to give him our burdens and let him bear those for us. We should be thankful um, for God and his love for us. Um, we also must remember that uh, while we should be bringing our burdens and cares to the Lord, that should not be our entire relationship with God. Uh, we saw earlier in Philippians chapter 4 that with thanksgiving, your request will be known to God. It's important that in our prayer lives, as, as well as our walk with God, that we do prioritize uh, thanking him and praising him for all he has done for us, uh, while we are also bringing our requests unto him as well. Uh, but to conclude tonight, we saw feeding the flock. The pastor is to oversee the flock and to feed the flock through the preaching of God's word. And he's not to be the Lord over God's heritage, as it is, again, God's heritage, not the pastor's heritage. And it is Christ's church. Um, and how we should be um, operating it according to his word. And <clears throat> the pastor should be an example to the flock, directing others to follow Christ. We saw the chief shepherd and how the pastor is not the Lord over God's heritage, but Christ is the head of the church. And how the pastor will receive a crown of glory as he preaches the word of God faithfully. And we should, saw subject to one another and having humility, uh, submitting one to another, and also humility in submitting to the Lord as well. We also have the Lord loves us and desires to care for us as well. Uh, we're going to move into a time of prayer tonight, and we're going to our prayer meeting uh, after that. <clears throat> and I, Father God, thank you tonight for the opportunity.